This is going to be like a weird episode of this podcast. I uh, assume this will be a one-off. I don't expect we'll ever do this again because we usually just watch old uh, TV shows where this is I just, I don't know what even gave me this idea, but I just thought uh, it might be sort of interesting to do an episode about pro wrestling because pro wrestling is, uh, I was thinking like what would be a good tack to take? So I was thinking maybe, you know, back in like the Shakespeare days where, you know, you had uh, fancy pants people watching it, but you also had the plebs, you know, the people down in the front that uh, just paid a couple shillings and they just are there for the the dick jokes or whatever, (laughs) you know? Like that was one of the things that's kind of forgotten about Shakespeare now because we think of it as so fancy, but back in the day, it wasn't necessarily, you know, just as an average person could go see Shakespeare, where... The only version of that that I think still exists is pro wrestling. Like as far as theater in the round that like the average person will actually pay money to go see. You know, we have, you could go see an opera, you could go see a ballet recital, those things exist, but they're not something that Joe Schmo's going to go see. You know, it's not like something that can tour around and make money and be a, a popular thing anymore. I think the only one left that is in that theater style is wrestling. And I think it just doesn't get any respect because it's not like the uh, plebs in the front and the smart people in the back. It's all plebs. Wrestling is all idiots. We're all stupid, <laughs> you know. Like, and and I think it's it's okay to acknowledge that. It's like, yeah, this is pretty dumb, but it is if you just want to go see a live performance. That there are probably highbrows that go to see wrestling. I, I don't know. See, I, they I mean, might not admit it. Right, I guess, but I think, because there are people, like, you know, we did that episode about Columbo, and there's those those fancy-pants British guys that were talking about comparing Columbo to wrestling. Like, there are people that are adults like me that still pay attention to it, but I think it's more, uh, I don't know, I can't, I can't give us too much credit, because I think there's something that went wrong with our whole generation. You know, it's not just wrestling, it's video games, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter superhero movies like we just didn't grow up you know (laughs) like everything we watch as adults is still kid stuff i won't argue that point (laughs) so i mean you can you can look at this kid stuff from an adult lens you can find things that are in it but it's still undeniably kid stuff like wrestling should be for children it's weird that it's adults now that watch it but that's that's where we're at (laughs) so so yeah i'm not saying everyone who watches it is dumb but i am saying it's dumb to watch it I don't know. Like, I love wrestling, and I think it's it's interesting, but it's not smart. And, like, that's a step too far. I'm not willing to pretend this is some kind of intellectual pursuit. But everything doesn't need to be. And, again, I think that's kind of what why wrestling is the thing that multiple companies can still tour the world and can still put on shows every day, much like Shakespeare plays used to do, because it's just dumb and accessible and entertaining. Like, it's just, you just can't do that with ballet recitals. You just can't do that with opera, you know. That stuff is very much what, uh, you know, that's in the fancy realm, where if the average person wants to go see something like that, they just go see a movie. The only thing live that still exists is wrestling. So I just think it's a little interesting from that perspective. And also, obviously wrestling's fake. You know, that's the big, you do know it's fake, right? Even though it's... It's been known that it's fake since like the 20s. It's literally 100 years out of date that day. <laughs> you know, everyone's aware that it's fake. But I think what's interesting is to look at the parts that aren't fake, and that ties into it being a live performance in front of people. The thing that's so neat to me about wrestling is, you know, it's scripted. It's basically just like watching any show, except with a show, 
you know, you can write a character to be the good guy, you can write a character to be the bad guy, and the audience kind of just has to accept it or just stop watching the show. Where what's interesting with wrestling is it's fake, yeah, but the thing that you can't fake is you can't force an auditorium full of 20,000 people to accept what you've written. You know, if you try to write like, oh, this guy's going to be the good guy, but nobody wants him to be the good guy, suddenly you've got a whole arena of people booing. Or the reverse, like this guy's going to be the bad guy, but if everybody starts cheering him, you better come up with a new plan. And I like that aspect of it too, of like, that's the one part that is less fake in some ways than other stuff because you can't force it. And they've tried. Man, have they tried. So many times in wrestling history, they're like, oh, this is going to be our next good guy. And then everybody just boos him for six months straight. And it's like, well, okay, that didn't work, <laughs> you know? So... So this particular little thing I want to, this little, <laughs> little story I want to tell you about wrestling is about that, is about how does a person become a fan favorite? Because you can't force it. You can't fake it. Even if you write yourself to win every match and write yourself to be the top guy, if the audience keeps booing you, that's not going to, it's not going to work. You have to legitimately become liked by these people and how do you do that inside this medium of having a fake fight with somebody it's basically just a fight scene from a movie or something you know it's like it's very weird the whole thing that's that's what i guess where you can dive into it from an adult perspective is there's a lot of weirdness going on within the mechanism of wrestling but that doesn't again i don't know it's it's such a weird duality it's like i think it's interesting but i am not going to sit here and pretend it's some big deep thing because it's not the thing I find about wrestling is, you said uh, fake, people say fake. I, I wouldn't say fake, but staged. Right. Because those guys are really very athletic. They really train to to do those acrobatics, almost. Some of the moves and things that they make on there are really highly dangerous. When you say fake, it's almost like um, that they're fudging it and, right. and that it's all false. But it isn't. It's it's very athletic. The, these guys are, you know. That is a weird thing, I think, just because of the perspective people come from of, you know, if wrestling from day one had been presented as, it's like a, a fight scene from a movie, but you're watching it in real life, I think it would be more accepted. But it's because there was this this sort of era where even though in the you know, all the way up to, like like I said, back in the 20s, you can find evidence that they knew these things were fake. By the 60s, there was, like, headlines in newspapers. It was not hidden anymore. And then by the 90s, it was uh, officially in the courts. I think it was because WWE was in some trouble about uh, steroids, because everybody in the 80s was on steroids, and they were huge. So it came to a point where it's like, we have to admit officially that this is not a real competition so that we can get around these steroid laws, <laughs> you know? So it's just because it came from this place of sort of pretending it was real that, yeah, people just rebelled now that when they heard it wasn't real. But then I do think people do have this weird idea that, oh, well, that's just fake. And it's like, yeah, but that guy fell off a ladder through a press table. What do you mean fake? <laughs> like, that's not fake. You watch it happen right in front of you. Yeah, and if you look at it from the standpoint of it being some pretty high-class theatrics rather than believing that it is true and real uh you get a whole different perspective on it and that's how i think it should it should be looked at as entertainment 
Yes, staged, theatrics, yes, but isn't that isn't that what theater is all about? Yeah. That's the thing that makes it enjoyable. Um, I mean, when you go to see even highbrow theater, I mean, you don't believe everything that's going on. It's not realism. It's uh, enjoyment. It's entertainment. Yeah, that's where the, oh, you know, it's fake. It's such a frustrating thing that just, like, only true idiots say because, yeah, it's like... You know that's not really Batman in that movie. You know he didn't really fight the Joker. Like, yeah, no shit, idiot. Like, people trying to make themselves sound smart, it just makes them sound even dumber. But I think, too, with wrestling, it's, again, that duality of, like, you just think of wrestlers as big, dumb meatheads, and some of them are. But I don't think it's coincidence that, like, the number one actor in the world right now, The Rock, came up through wrestling. Because wrestling, you don't get a second take. You got to do the fight scene in front of everybody. But not only that, you got to pick up a microphone and you got to work a crowd and you've got to be a comedian and you've got to hold these people in the palm of your hands and a lot of wrestlers are not that good at it or they're only good at certain parts of it but when you get somebody like Dwayne Johnson he was good at all the parts so it's just like not surprising to me that he was so successful because I've heard wrestlers say like man compared to the stress of somebody hands you a script if even it might just be bullet points or something right before the show starts and you got to go out in front of 20,000 people and you got to deliver this thing and you don't get a second chance because you're on live TV. Then they get onto a movie set and they're like, oh my God, it was easy as heck. I had like, I just tried all afternoon. I had 16 takes and then I went back to my, my trailer and when it was time for the fight scene, a stunt person did it for me. I didn't even have to go through the table, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, that's what, what I like about that duality. Wrestling is dumb and it's also smart and it's you know the people that are wrestlers they're a bunch of big dumb idiots but they're also super clever and like good at everything they're good actors yeah they're kind of it's the whole it's such a like i could easily but but again it's one of those things that it's not really worth trying to convince somebody that wrestling's good because either it kind of grabs you and you see all this stuff about it and it's like a fun weird ball of crap going on or you just can't get past that it's wrestling yeah and, and it's like live theater in the sense that uh, you're out there, you're doing your thing. If Buddy over there doesn't react to what you're doing the way he should, well, you got to ad lib it. Because yep. there, no, there is no second take. There is no cut. Let's go redo that. It's, uh, that's it. You're out there performing. That's what it is. It's entertainment. And then, uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's obviously with injuries, even just recently there was a match that just happened where, uh, I mean, there's, you, you can go all the way down, you know, to literally people dying in the ring. You know, it's dangerous. Terrible things can happen. But even I just saw a match over the weekend where just a guy took a move that he took a hundred times that just something went wrong and he, he broke his arm. But nobody knew till after. He had 10 more minutes to go in the match and he finished it. So it's like, yeah, you're doing a fake fight and you're working with your opponent, not against them, but your arm is broken and no one even knew. It's like, wow. Well, you, people kind of knew. They suspected because like, they're like, what happened in that last 10 minutes? Things were a little weird. And then after when he posts the x-ray, you're like, holy shit, his fucking arm was broken that whole time. So yeah, like they're fake fighters, but tough motherfuckers too. It's like, I guess, yeah, it's both things. It's always this weird duality. But anyway, the story I wanted to tell you Again, I was saying about how with the crowd, that's kind of the focus I'm going to take on this one, is how you can't force the crowd. You know, you might even, it's probably like the toughest thing. It's so weird, like the mass, like you could probably convince a single person easier. You know, you could like talk somebody into some bullshit idea easier than you can make a whole crowd act the way you want them to act. If they're not going to act the way you want them to act, they just won't. And there's nothing you can do about it. 
So this is the story of Cody Rhodes. So you might recognize Dusty Rhodes. Have you seen this guy before? I've seen that guy before. Look at him. He looks like <laughs> Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say Dusty Rhodes, arguably one of the top 10 most famous wrestlers in history. Everybody knows Dusty Rhodes. He's just was famous as shit. So he had these two kids. His first son, Dustin, he, uh, he did wrestle as a normal guy for a while, but this is how he was most famous. In the 90s and the 2000s, he played this character, Goldust, that used to come out with like a wig on, weirdly androgynous, pushing people's buttons, like, is this guy gay? What's going on? Back in the 90s, it was a very uh, weird thing to do. But he really got over well as this character. I'd say he's probably in the top 100, the top 200 most famous wrestlers in the world for sure. Like, not as famous as his dad, but... Anyone who knows wrestling knows this guy. Maybe the average person doesn't, but, but he did very well. So he was the older brother. Then, in Dusty's second marriage, he had another son. This is his younger son, yeah, Cody Rhodes. Handsome. Yeah, handsome young man. He was dashing Cody Rhodes for a while. But basically, this guy, Goldust, Dustin, the older brother, he, he did get a little bit of his fame from being Dusty Rhodes' son, but not a lot of it. Like, he really went off on his own, and he wrestled for years before he had that gold dust character, and he really forged his own way. Where Cody, Cody was kind of nepotism from the get-go, is he got into WWE when he was 18 years old because he's Dusty's son, and he was there forever, for like 10 years, just always trying different characters and always around, but just no one took him seriously because he never went out on the roads and did the small independent shows and stuff. He just started at the top because he was Dusty Rhodes' son. It was a bad way to start because, again, like this, it's, this whole business is like a popularity contest. If you can't get the arenas, and not only like one arena, you got to have every arena in every city cheer for you to be a successful good guy in wrestling. And... You know, again, these are just people that have normal jobs or normal people paid 50 bucks to go see wrestling. They got no time for Cody Rhodes and his bullshit, you know? Like, yeah, it's always better to start from the bottom rather than riding on the coattails of somebody else that yeah. already has made it famous. Yeah, I can see people saying, yeah, well, he's only here because of Dad. And it almost doesn't help, too, that he's, he's an excellent wrestler, handsome as hell. What the heck is, what do we have to like about this guy? Where Dusty Rhodes, his whole thing was, I'm a son of a plumber. I'm just a guy. I'm just a normal guy. Hard times, you know? And then, obviously, Gold Dust is a whole different thing. He was like, I'm a bizarre, weird dude, but that was, like, cool and interesting. Cody's got nothing. And they just tried for so long with Cody, with all these different characters, and it just wasn't working. It got to the point that eventually they're like, well, what worked for his brother? How about Cody... You can be Stardust. <laughs> you can be the other Gold Dust. So they dressed him up like this, and he hated it. He knew this was like, I'm in the garbage at this point. Like, they're just trying to, hopefully I can sell some action figures with this stupid character. But to Cody's credit, he really played this character, like, all the time. He pretended he was, like, from outer space. And during interviews, he would act like that. He would never break character. He took it super seriously. But behind the scenes, he did it for like a year, year and a half, and it wasn't any more popular than any of the other shit that he did. So he was like, hey, can, can we stop this, please? You know, like I want... Oh, and Dusty Rhodes died. That's the other thing. Dusty died, and 
Cody was like, Jesus Christ, this is how I was when my dad, the last time my dad got to see me wrestling, I was at the bottom of the card, no one liked me, and I was this idiot character, like having a real crisis of like, what is my career? Because his dad told him all the time, you got to get out of here, you got to leave WWE, you just got to go do wrestling in Mexico or Japan or do something. And he never did, and then his dad died. And then he asked them, can I please stop with this now? We tried it, it didn't work. And the higher-ups were like, nah. You know, you're in the video game. We got the t-shirts. We got the toys. You get to keep being Stardust. So he, he had to quit. At this point, he finally had had, like, I gotta do something else. So he left. So that's what the other thing that's neat about wrestling is all of that stuff about what was really happening to the real guy. That's what was interesting. Not Stardust and his stupid storylines. It was all nonsense. It was crap. In fact, let me show you. I've got... This is the last match he wrestled in WWE as Stardust. This wasn't even on one of the major shows. This is their like weekend recap show where they show the highlights of the week and they throw in a match and they just throw this in. So this is what he was doing <laughs> right before he quit. But what's important here, again with the crowd thing, is yeah, you know, he's doing his little thing, he's doing his little character. But if you notice the crowd during this match, they don't care, even a little. No one is moving, no one is cheering, no one is doing shit. They're all just waiting for the next match to start. Let me hop ahead a little. Like, just look at these people. They just don't care. <laughs> so yeah, this is just to show you that this is, this is the lowest point Cody was ever at in his whole career. It never got worse than this. Like, this is not only is he stardust and no one cares, this is the last match before he leaves. He's, and there wasn't really at this point... There's been a monopoly for a long time where WWE is the big company and all the other ones are so little. They're like 1% of the size. They're just tiny. So that's one reason why Cody never left is where do you go? What do you do? Like they do wrestling here in town, but it's like up the street in Marysville. I went to one once. It was cool. But that's kind of the level, you know, of just like if you leave WWE, you don't get to have t-shirts anymore. You don't get to have action figures. You don't get to have anything. You just get to go do a wrestling show for some random person in some random city hopefully you get paid but who knows <laughs> you know you got to book it yourself and you got to handle everything but he just had no choice so actually the actual fighting is pretty damn good in this yeah these two guys people who i uh, mean they're it's fast moving it's uh like there's so many of these where you watch them and uh, it's in slow motion and they got the guy in the hold and it carries on like that for a good five or six seconds these guys are just moving right along here yeah, I guess that's one thing I could bring up is that the level of athleticism has gone way up in wrestling. Because what you're probably thinking of is more of the Hulk Hogan 80s. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, where it was, yeah, like the Let's ultimate Let's have a order. hold here, and, and then they grimace, and they're, they're in hold for, oh, 10 seconds, sometimes 15 seconds, and then they're pounding on the floor, let me up, let me up. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> and that kind of goes back to, if you go back to, like, the 50s and the 60s and that level of, uh, or even before... You know, when wrestling was still fixed and it was still fake, but it was much more like Greco-Roman wrestling. You know, it was holds and grapples. So that's why people didn't realize it was fake. It was a lot easier to fake. It wasn't flips and jumps and all this bullshit that we do now. And a lot of times it was fake back then, not just so that they could bet on it, but just so people would get their money's worth. Because a real fight, like UFC shows, it can be over in, in 30 seconds. You want it to go six or seven rounds. You want people to feel like they got their money's worth. You want to give them a good show. It's just easier to fake it. But it was easier to fake when it was actual grappling. 
where then in the 80s it was midway you know you had the undertaker and you had like the macho man you had these silly characters but they were still kind of doing like you're saying the big slow lumbering stuff and also back then you don't realize it so much because it was all on tv but everybody was like six seven they're insanely huge people where nowadays like cody's not short but he's like six one you know like nowadays it's not weird for a pro wrestler to be under six feet they're much smaller and leaner. And yeah, this is a normal wrestling match now. This would have blown people's minds in 1983. This would have been the most insane thing they ever saw. Nowadays, none of these people, look, they're not even looking. Do you see that? The crowd's looking at something else. They don't care because the level of athleticism is way up. And I think that's partially just because people are shorter. <laughs> wrestlers, it's weird. Yeah, wrestlers are shorter than me, mostly. And they can do all this crazy stuff. They're not all big gassed up. Uh, that's what they call it when you're on steroids. I was, he's on the gas. <laughs> and yeah, when you're a big steroid guy, you can't do shit. It's okay, so here's where he was when he left WWE. But then if we jump forward about four or five years, he did go off, and I'll tell you the story of what he did while he was not in WWE, while he was in the independent circuit. But he did come back and... I just want to show you this. I found this little compilation of people reacting to Cody. That thing I was saying about how you can't, you can't force the crowd to like you, that's where he was. They tried for 10 years to make the crowd like him. Never worked. Then he came back at WrestleMania, and these people are losing their fucking minds. They're so excited for Cody Rhodes to be back in WWE. So I just want to show you how night and day it is. Because this is, again, like, like how, do you, how does a person do this? How do you generate this reaction because this is like he's like a hero now so where we're going to get to eventually is kind of how did this happen how did he get from place a to place b but yeah check this out this is when people were quite sure he was going to come back to wwe that was the rumor but nobody was certain and it's just yeah like these people are losing their fucking minds for this guy Yeah, that's where I thought, because, I mean, we could pick a million different wrestlers, and here's the weird stories that they went through and how they got from here to there. But with Cody, it's so neat because that's so clear. 
Like I couldn't think of another person where I could show you a more obvious no one is even watching his match, no one cares, to that WrestleMania reaction. It's nuts. Like again, with the fake wrestling, that's the part that you can't fake because they tried. They tried so many times. They would have killed to make people feel that way about Cody Rhodes and they couldn't. No storyline in the world would pull it off. So what, what pulled it off? How did he do that? What the heck happened? So, obviously, to get the full story, you have to watch the entire four years or five years he was gone and all his little wrestling matches and how he built his way slowly up. But I think I found, like, one. I pinpointed one that I think was really the turning point where people stopped thinking of him like the old Cody Rhodes and started thinking of him like the new Cody Rhodes. So, basically, he left, like I was saying, there's nowhere else to go. There's just the indies. There's only WWE. He had like this like list of dream matches he wanted to have with like Japanese wrestlers and Mexican wrestlers and independent wrestlers. So people were kind of following him, but only the hardcore wrestling nerds. Like to the average wrestling fan, it's like he disappeared because he's not on TV anymore. No one else, no other shows have TV really. You know, like I said, they're all tiny compared to WWE. So Cody just kind of disappeared. But the timing got really lucky because this other company started, this company called AEW, this guy, uh, Tony Khan, he's like the son of a billionaire. After 20 years of only WWE being on TV, this other show finally got on TV on a different network, and it's, it's like legitimate competition for the first time ever. And everybody else missed the boat, you know? Like a lot of independent wrestlers got on that show. But if you were already in WWE, even if you wanted to leave, you're in a contract where Cody had just left. He'd been out, out of there for a year or two. Perfect timing. So Cody got to be in this new company. And their first big show was called All In. And uh, he had this kind of like classic retro match for the NWA title, which was the old National Wrestling Alliance title that his dad had. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's not a big title anymore, but it still exists. So as like a tribute to his dad, he had this big, big time, old timey match. It was kind of like those old matches, you know, like a throwback match. And, oh, I, I keep forgetting details, is that even though people respected what Cody was doing and that he went off on the indies and forged his own path, Usually there's like a five star, if you're a big wrestling nerd and you, you rank matches, it's out of five stars. And the nickname Cody had, he was doing okay, he was doing fine, but everybody called him three star Cody because it's like, yeah, these matches are good, they're fine, it's, we respect what he's doing, but it ain't a five star, you're three star Cody. So that's almost like damning with faint praise, you know, it's like just a new version of what was happening to him before, he still just wasn't getting any respect. So he had this big NWA title match and... This big show everyone's excited about because it's like a new company forming. Everything is like, wow, this is great. And after it was done, people were like, you know, isn't it weird that after the dust has settled on this new promotion, I think the best match was that match Cody had for the NWA title. So that's not what we're going to watch, though, because that was just like the, the ship turning. That's where like the, the nerd opinion of Cody Rhodes, finally, instead of three-star Cody, he was like, man, I think he had the match of the night. I think that was, that was a really good match. So everybody was like primed. They were ready. They're paying attention. They're like, all right, Cody, we're, we're finally ready to maybe take you seriously. But not yet. You got to do it again. <laughs> you know, you got to impress us again. So the show we're going to watch, this new company AEW formed, they had this show called Double or Nothing. And this match, it's Cody against his brother, Dustin. They were both in this company at this point. 
we're gonna pick like one match to watch, I feel like this was the important one because this was the make or break. Either he has the best match of the night again and knocks it out of the park and becomes this newly respected Cody Rhodes, or he's just three-star Cody again, and that was just a blip on the radar, that other match he had, and it's like, ah, oh, whatever. So, I mean, spoiler alert, he did knock it out of the park, he had the best match of the night, and he went on to become, like, one of the top guys in AEW, so much so that then he jumped ship back to WWE. He was the first person to do that, too. Nobody else wanted to go back to WWE, but he's like, no, I think I see in the tea leaves, I'm gonna go back. And then that's when that WrestleMania reaction happened, because now everybody knew him from this AEW run that he had. And when he came back to WWE, everyone's excited and like, whoa, and it's, he's been back like a year and he's still top dog in WWE. Like he, he just nailed it. It's unbelievable. So this, I believe, was, was the turning point, this match he had with his brother. And it's neat to look at it on both levels because they had a storyline. I'll, I'll show you the little storyline part where the storyline they made up is that his brother's generation in the 90s was The Rock, Stone Cold, you know, the most famous era of wrestling. And Cody was like, man, I'm so tired of hearing about that, that era. Everyone talks about my brother's era like it's the best, but what's wrong with my era? You know, we're here now, we're the best. So it was this battle of generations. That was the fake storyline thing, but the real story that everybody really knew was that it's him and his brother working together to try to have the best match so that Cody can finally get over, you know, like can finally be popular with the crowd. So it's got those, the storyline level, I want to fight my brother. But it's interesting to me, again, with the duality of wrestling that everybody knew it's not a real fight, obviously, it's wrestling. They're really working together to try to show everybody that... Cody is awesome. <laughs> they're also, uh, they're probably at a point now that they're becoming into their into their own, on their uh, under their own right, not not as the children of Dusty Rhodes or. Yeah, well, that's or. the other thing that's interesting because wrestling is fake. The timeline is different. Like for a real athlete, you know, you're better when you're younger. Where at this point, Cody's in his mid thirties, and his brother Dustin is in his early fifties, so. They always say around 40 is when you really nail it in wrestling because your your brain catches up to your body. Like, you know all the psychology of it. You know how to work the crowd. And yeah, you're starting to slow down, but it doesn't matter that much because it's not a real sport in that sense, you know? So, so Cody is almost at his peak at this point. He probably is right now as we speak. Like, he's really, he's nearing 40, and 40 is that golden spot where you're just, you've got it all, it's all working. And Dustin, he had a little bit to prove at this point because... Early 50s is getting on a bit, even for the fake sport of pro wrestling. So he also kind of wanted to show he's still got it. He can still have a great match. But really the point was, let's showcase Cody. Let's make, let's make everybody love Cody. And they, they did it. They pulled it off, as evidenced by all those reactions from the WrestleMania thing. But I'll show you, because this is kind of cool. Because again, they can't say that on the show. They can't say... Me and my brother are going to try to have the match of the night so you people will love us. <laughs> you can't say that out loud because then people will rebel. You got to have the soap opera story. So, yeah, like I said, the soap opera story was, uh, you know, we got these two brothers. Oh, everyone loves my brother. They love his whole generation. Oh, I sure miss those days. I miss The Rock. I miss Stone Cold. I miss Gold Dust. Well, fuck all of them. I'm here now and I'm going to kick his ass. So let me show you the little promo they put together to hype people up for this match because it's also just really good. It's also a good, a good example, too, of how Cody, he does have the, uh, 
like the acting part, like that sincerity. You know, it's if if people don't believe the story you're telling them, then they sit on their hands and they don't react or they boo. You know, I was talking about how boos are so bad. Boos aren't even that bad because at least you can work with boos. The worst thing is what happened when he was Stardust, when everyone just doesn't care because then you're just dead in the water. You can't do anything. But yeah, Cody's also, he's really good at uh, pulling the heartstrings. So here's his little, his little promo about why he wants to fight his brother. I love my brother. I have always loved my brother. When you're a little kid and you're going to the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia, and here he comes, tall, blonde, every woman in the place going absolutely nuts for him, I'd say at one point he was my hero. You know, there's this regular jilted and lazy trope commentators in wrestling will use. You'll hear them say, the prodigal son. And I have to wonder, I'm curious, who out there listening actually understands the morals and the implications in Luke 15, 11, in that parable. There's two brothers. One does everything right. One works very hard, tries to keep his family whole. The other goes abroad, whores about, and makes every conceivable wrong choice you could possibly make. But it's the first brother who is equally in the wrong because he has an expectancy from the father for all his good deeds, and none of it matter. The father loved them the same. I've sat on enough couches telling my story to know which brother I am. I'm good with it. And this notion of brother versus brother, of, of natural versus nightmare, it's all very marketable, it's all very romantic, albeit not very accurate. What's accurate? is that this match is generation versus generation. I am not here to kill Dustin Rhodes. I'm here to kill the Attitude Era. My entire lot, my whole class of peers, has been compared to these gilded late 90s through the early 2000s for over a decade, and it's an utter sham. Sure. You paved the roads for us, but gosh, you set the speed markers at 35 because you are terrified of any of us putting our foot down on the pedal. Listen, I am the least roads of the roads, but they gave me a pair of boots. I've got the basics. When you do something to death, when you ride something to death, that's literally what happens. When that animal can't go anymore and it falls out on the trail and you can feel the tension in its eyes and its fluttered breaths of panic and it knows it's going to die and it wants to die. You don't just leave it because you love it. You pull from the hip you roll your fingers on the steel of the chamber. You pull the hammer back. You do not anticipate the recoil, and you blow it away. Like I said, I love my brother. It's just so cool because it would be so easy to do again, like with the 80s wrestling, right? Of like, ah, you, uh, 
you stole my whatever, I'm gonna fight you, ah, fuck you, you know, <laughs> just the dumb bonehead bullshit they used to do. That's so clever in a way of just like, you know, my, my brother's in his 50s, he's an old horse, not only do I need to put him down, secretly he wants to be put down. <laughs> he wants me to do this to him. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the storyline on the show, that's pretty good. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty neat. But then there's also that extra layer, like I was saying, of like, if we pull this off, man, maybe finally Cody won't be three-star Cody anymore. And that's kind of the real story. But both are happening in parallel. So, yeah, again, wrestling, man. It's smart and it's dumb. So this match... This is Double or Nothing 2019, Cody versus Dustin Rhodes. I'm sure if anybody wants to watch it out there, it's, you know, you can find wrestling on the internet. You know, people upload these things all over the place. You could probably dig this up. And uh, it's long, though. This, this match is like 25 minutes long. So it's going to be like when we watch a sitcom or something, except the whole time we're just going to be watching a wrestling match. So. <laughs> but, but hopefully I set it up in a way that it's a little more interesting than it would be. Because I guess that's what's... Th- I mean, obviously, too, it's... Uh, you know, it's a soap opera for guys. It's just, that's really all it is. But that part's important because you could watch this match and you'd be like, oh, that's pretty neat. They did a pretty good job of pretending to fight. But it's so much better with the soap opera part, you know, when you have all the context and all the details. But on the other hand, that's why I think this might be a weird episode. I don't know how much there will be to say about it necessarily because at the end of the day, it is just a wrestling match. There's a million that came before it, a million that'll come after it. I don't think this particular match is going to make you go like, holy crap, I've never seen anything like that before. But in the context of everything, this was the closest I could come to like, how did Cody get from, from the bottom to the top? And I think this was, this was it. So, all right, <laughs> let me throw it on. Staying up late in the UK or Ireland, we appreciate that anywhere in the world. We are very thankful for you guys. Joining us here tonight for Double or Nothing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll get back to action here momentarily. And again, we do appreciate you joining us. But Dustin, I don't need, I don't need a partner. I don't need, I don't need a friend. I need my older brother. So dramatic. The crowd just eats this right up. (laughs) And he's even got the tears in his eyes. uh, I love you, bro. We can do a tag team. The other wrestlers made fun of that for weeks. How his voice cracked. I need my older brother. (laughs) People kept (laughs) doing that to make fun of Cody for ages. Yeah, it's interesting because this is the end again, like 2019 or whatever. I forgot about all this. But this is, of course, classic wrestling. Like, you can't just end it there. It's a soap opera. So you have to set up next month's show. So it's like, yeah, I got this tag team match and you're not allowed to retire, Dustin. I I know I just killed you like I said I would, but it's not over because I need you to be my brother in the next fight because it never stops. It's the fucking story that never stops. Oh, and everybody. The respect, yeah. (laughs) He's not three-star Cody no more. Now he's, he's the American nightmare, Cody Rhodes. So... To be honest, because again, I haven't seen that in years. 
I forgot how frankly disgusting that match is. That's actually not the kind of wrestling I prefer is the blood and guts wrestling because because again, because we know it's all fake, I tend to lean toward let's just acknowledge that it's fake. You know, let's lean on the soap opera tropes. Let's lean on the characters. I don't you don't need to be bleeding like that. And that was Oh yes, disgusting you do. amount. That's the good drama. Oh yeah, you had to throw everything in there. Uh, yeah, I and guess. they did. I, but I wouldn't have if I was booking this show. I mean, if I had my own wrestling show, there just wouldn't be blood. I would lean more toward. I like, would have left the girlfriend out. She was totally unnecessary. Right. You know, it was a match between two men. She didn't add to that. Right. She just she just came across as looking like uh, Brinsky. <laughs> yeah, well, that was interesting too. Just again, because I forgot the parameters of this. That. Again, this was like, Cody was never a bad guy again after this, but I guess this was his last hurrah as as a bad guy. Because, yeah, him and his wife, they spit water in Dustin's face. They were cheating, you know. The, the wife had to be ejected from the, from the match and all this stuff. And Cody did a low blow. You're not allowed to do that. He, like, distracted the ref and kicked his brother in the balls. Which, of course, why doesn't every wrestler wear a cup, for one thing? But he <laughs> redeemed himself at the end with that dramatic finish of I need you yeah <laughs> so uh, I mean I guess first off with uh, the blood I mean you were saying how there's so much blood and it's just it reaches levels that it's like unreal looking that you're like that can't be real blood right like it must be a blood pack or like they're spurting it out or something and I wish it was I wish that it was that they were faking it because yeah that's just such a gross amount of blood but it's like we were saying at the start you know like people assume wrestling is fake they assume you somehow can fall through a table and not Somehow just do these things. Same thing with the blood. People, yeah, that's a common assumption, but it's Occam's razor, literally. It's just easier. It's just easier little to wonder, actually blood. Little wonder the guy lost. He lost the blood. <laughs> yeah. His blood pressure probably was way down. But also, yeah, so all that uh, that sort of corny stuff at the end about, you know, I need my brother and like how, you know, Cody's just a good guy. It's interesting because that is what happened, basically. This other company, I mean, you can tell they're not WWE just from the blood alone. It's like, it's not for kids as much. This is more acknowledging it's an adult audience or whatever. But once Cody got over this hump and didn't have to be a bad guy anymore, he really did just want to be a good guy like his dad was. And he started doing these, these promos about like his... Uh, he had a daughter and how just like literally like the it was like a Hulk Hogan promo from the 80s of just like I'm so proud to live in America and uh, I want to grow up in a society where my biracial daughter won't be uh, won't be won't have problems and I want to fight for that world and like super corny and these AEW fans were just like this is super corny like they were turning on him again <laughs> you know it was like like you're not wrong it's nice these things you're saying but that's not what we're here for we kind of prefer that Blood you just and guts. yeah beat up your brother and <laughs> bleed all over the place so i think that's one of the big reasons why he went back to WWE and and it totally worked cuz he went back he got that hero's welcome that i showed you and it's been like that ever since he's just been the bestest goodest good guy you could ever want and everyone is accepting him over there as that but it's interesting just to really quickly wrap up what happened with cody rhodes so over in wwe there's this guy roman reigns he's the rock's real life cousin and he's been the champ for a thousand days which is insane like back in the day that used to happen you know when wrestling was hardly ever on tv and people would travel from town to town and it wasn't that weird to be the champ for three and a half years or something nowadays when you're on tv twice a week a thousand days is unbelievable. It's crazy how long this guy Roman Reigns has been champ. It's too much. It's nuts. 
but it's also caused this problem where what do you do who could possibly beat this guy he's so unbeatable it's insane he's like superman times 10 they just didn't have anybody in the in the roster that was even conceivably believable like that the crowd wouldn't boo and wouldn't turn on or they wouldn't believe that anyone could beat roman reigns then cody rhodes comes back and he gets that reaction and it's like oh man i of all the people it's like can you believe cody is the guy dumb little cody that we used to think sucked but yeah he's the guy like if anyone's gonna do this it's gonna be cody so they have their big match the big wrestlemania match and it's because again it's a story and it's predetermined it's one of those cases where everybody knew what was going to happen they knew cody was going to win but it's just so cool that it's all right it's like we're we're, we're fine with it we're just excited that this storyline is going to happen but then he didn't win Roman Reigns beat his ass. <laughs> and that's where you get into this weird duality of people at that point aren't mad at Roman Reigns. They're mad at the writers. Like, it goes beyond. They're like, who is writing this show? Cody was the guy. How did you have Cody lose? And that's kind of where things are at now is Cody's regrouping, regathering, trying to get another title shot. Roman Reigns is still the champ over a thousand days. Doesn't seem like anyone can possibly beat him. Who knows what's going to happen? He's starting to have like problems within and his family is turning on him and maybe that's what's going to happen. But again, who knows? It's the soap opera. It's the story that never ends. But, but even just the fact that when Cody came back, that's how popular he was. That everybody not only believed he could beat this guy who's been champ for a thousand days, they wanted him to. They wanted him to be the top guy and then got taken away it didn't happen in the drama but anyway that's the brief story of how cody rhodes went from idiot stardust that everyone hated to american nightmare that everybody loves and uh somehow that match where his brother bled all over the place that's the one that did it that's that was the turning point where he was no longer three-star cody he was just cody cody rhodes Good old live theater. Yeah, the least, the least of the roads. I mean, I'm not going to say the greatest of the roads. Obviously, Dusty Rhodes is still number one. But I think at this point, Cody is more famous than his brother. He's at least the number two Rhodes. But he's never going to, you, you can't top Dusty. But damn good try, you know. He really, if, his, if poor old Dusty was still around, I think he'd be proud of, uh, of his kids bleeding all over each other. 